This may feel or sound a bit bold, but you're likely tracking your pipeline incorrectly. Your pipeline says you're 50% to close, but is that your perspective or is it your prospects? In this snippet, I'm telling you how to stop obsessing over the percent to close number and base your pipeline predictions off of three factors that actually matter. So Dan, you've been in sales for like 100 years. So what have you seen from your experience as far as how sales organizations are tracking their prospect pipelines? Well, Kylie, after 100 years, (laughs) I have a lot of memories I got to sort through. (laughs) You know, it's funny. We've never hit on this topic and it's so important. Most sales organizations and individuals do a pipeline tracking system based on where the sales professional thinks they are in their sales process. But it's about the prospect and where the prospect is within their decision-making process. So being in a sales, like you said, for a hundred years, okay. (laughs) I rounded down. You rounded down. Thank you. (laughs) I remember so many times from an organization standpoint, individual standpoint, where we would measure, and I've seen this day in, day out with our current clients or other businesses, where everybody measures based on where they think they are in the sales process. Like 25% to close would mean that we had a first conversation, we learned X, Y, and Z, and we found some pain. Okay, great. That's where you think you are from a sales standpoint. But how did that prospect leave the meeting? What's on their mind? And then you go to like 50% to close. 50% to close might be that we better defined the pain. We gave a demo and the prospect agreed to receive a presentation or a pitch as next steps. Okay, again, you did the demo, you gave the pitch, Yes, maybe the prospect agreed to receive official presentation, but how did they still leave that meeting? What was on their mind? What are they thinking about now a day or two or a week or two after that meeting? And then you get to the 75% to close, right? Which is we've identified all the decision makers. We've asked all the questions. We found the pain. You know, we gave a demo. This is our fourth meeting. They said they were going to make a change, all of that. And so we're 75% to close. We got something to quote. Yeah. We've qualified them. I love that. We've qualified them. Yeah. As a fit for us. All right. But again, how did your prospects leave the meeting? What are they thinking about? So for example, how many times have you been in a meeting And at the end of the meeting where there was a second, third, or fourth meeting, a presentation or whatever it might've been, and that prospect looks at you and says, this has been fantastic. This has been great. You've given us a lot to think about. Give us about two or three weeks and let's connect then and uh, we'll go from there. We'll let you know what we're going to do. All the time. Right. But let's backtrack now. What does everybody think happens when that occurs? It went great. They loved us. But the prospect's going to leave the meeting and they're going to go about their normal business. At some point, let's pretend there were three individuals on the prospect's team that have sat through the process and the presentation. 
Those three individuals at some point are going to connect via email, maybe a couple days later, maybe a week later, could even be two weeks later, right? Or not at all, but let's pretend they do connect. What do you guys want to do? Do you guys want to meet? Do you want to discuss the proposal? All of a sudden, reality sets in. One of your prospects says, well, you know, I do like the presentation. I like what they had to say. We got a lot going on right now. Are we sure this is the time we want to be taking on another change, something new in our business? Another one of the prospects responds, yeah, you know, I kind of agree. I know we've outgrown our current partner, but at the same time, they've done a decent job. Maybe there's a few adjustments our current partner could make. Help us buy another six or nine months or another year on this. You know, give us a little bit more time to really figure out what we want to do in this situation. Or, hey, we can go back to our current advisor and show them this price and drive down our current pricing and then we don't need to make a change. At least not for now. That is a very common occurrence because as we've talked about in past episodes, human nature is to avoid variability. So now you got these three prospects who have left the meeting. Yeah, they may have enjoyed the presentation or the demo. Yes, they may have told you that they're going to think through a decision. They're going to let you know in two or three weeks. But again, reality kicks in, biases kicks in, all right? The need to stay comfortable, the need to avoid uncertainty kicks in. And that real world of your prospect, it's so much easier for them at that point to then try to buy time and push the decision out. And then they'll spend their energy talking themselves into why status quo makes sense. Here's the thing about pipeline. If you manage your pipeline based on how you sell and your perception of the conversation, you're going to miss all the key questions and all the key conversation points to truly help that prospect become more objective in their debate and evaluation. We always call it here is, you know, that meeting that none of us are ever invited to when the prospect sits down, and they try to debate change. Well, how good are any of us at being objective on our own? We're not. Terrible. We suck at it. Yeah. So making the switch to how your prospect might be thinking and feeling and how they're assessing change is a huge factor. Dan, there's two themes I picked up on as you were talking through all of this. One, we as salespeople make it about us. And two... We're not asking the questions that could potentially tell us the truth about where the prospect's actually at. That is correct. Again, I don't understand why we do 25%, 50%, 75%, or 90% to close. And I don't understand how we assess that based on what we want and what we see in terms of our sales process. Because it's not about us. It's all about the prospect having to debate and evaluate a decision to make change or not make change. And so why not take the pipeline and how you manage your pipeline and how you evaluate it and evaluate it based on the prospect's decision-making process? So what would that look like, Dan? Well, we can keep it simple. So let's break down the decision-making process that we as human beings go through. One of the stages that we go through is we go through fact-finding. So as fact-finding stage, we're just looking for the facts. So if I want to fly from here to Los Angeles, the fact-finding for me is going to be, all right, what time are the flights? Are there direct flights? 
How much do the flights cost? Does it get me in in time for my meetings? And do I get out in time conveniently to be I can come home? Those are some core facts. Now I could throw some other facts in there like, okay, do I have miles that I could use? Do I have any kind of uh, status where I can get some upgrades based on how much I use that particular airline? Those are still all facts. That's the first thing we all go through when we're trying to assess making a decision or assessing change. One of the next steps that we go through is what's called impact. This is a critical step that most sales professionals completely miss. Impact is when you take the facts and you start to assess the future narrative or the future impact of those facts. So for instance, if I see that the flight gets me into Los Angeles five hours early and it's direct and there's a good price to it, the actual impact might be as well that, you know what, that gives me a little time to get to the hotel, maybe get a little bit more work done at the hotel, grab a nice lunch. I'm not going to feel rushed and then I'll get to my meeting. I'll feel rested and I'll enjoy a little bit of time in Los Angeles. That's impact or the flight coming home. Maybe the flight coming home, one option is fairly priced, well-priced, but one option is expensive. But maybe I choose the expensive option flying home because I have a family commitment that's very important to me. So the impact is I'm going to pay the extra because of the family commitment. It's important to me and I don't want to miss it. The impact is the future results, future experience, future narrative of those facts. And we always make decisions based on the impact. Now, the last part is called conviction. And so conviction is when we ask ourselves, why is that important to me? So in this instance, again, if I choose the more expensive flight and I'm going to come home because I have a family commitment that's important for me to make sure that I make it, why is that important to me? Well, it's a maybe a memory. It's an experience. So I've gone all the way from yeah, that flight costs $500 and this flight costs $800. So I've gone from the $800 fact to the family commitment that's important to me. And then all of a sudden, why is it important to me? That's what drives the decision. This has been a Breaking Sales Snippet. To hear the rest of the conversation, check out the episode linked in the show notes and subscribe to the show so you're the first to know when a new episode drops.